live your life, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now, your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you, Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for Yeah, rear naked choke of Cocker Spaniel, bro. You know what I'm saying? Change the neighborhood up. Conspiracy Farm. Go. Check it out. Wow. Patrick, that is... That's a good point. You know, Kanye West could have been onto something when he said slavery was a choice. Huh. Interesting insight, champ. Interesting insight. But uh, are we on? Are we going? Oh, shoot. Today, ladies and gentlemen. Where did that come from, bro? Well, I'm just, you know, we have some pre, pre-show conversations and, you know, you drop some little nuggets of, of interesting uh, stuff. So Talk about throwing your co-host under the bus. Holy shit. It's April Fool's Day, ladies and gentlemen. We jest. Yes, we yes. jest. But I'm so stoked to have my man back on today. I mean, even before we even scratched the surface with this, he was killing it. I mean, and I love his show so much. It's not so much singular dimensional. And I know he doesn't even probably like the term conspiracies. But of course, a lot of stuff deals with conspiracies. But, you know, he does politics, geopolitics, esoteric, spiritual, metaphysical. I mean, the guy covers all of the bases with just killer content, killer guests. He is the El Jefe over at the Higher Side Chats. Uh, Greg Carlwood, how you doing today, sir? Hey, I can't complain, man. Too kind. Thank you for that. Abs- well, man, again, you've been putting it down, and a lot of people have even, even before we, like, we got into it, it was you, those conspiracy guys that we had on Gordon Rockford last week. But joining me, as always, of course, writing Shotgun, UFC Hall of Famer, Eater of Worlds, Pat Militich. Champ, how are we doing over there? I'm doing all right, Mike. I tell you what, and I know you're still being deluged with massive amounts of information from all of our listeners. We thank our listeners for sending us everything that they see uh but we we have to decipher this stuff we have to go through it and some of it you know we can debunk right away other stuff you know you gotta you gotta investigate right jeff for sure but yeah there's definitely no shortage of it and the friends and the families and the farmers have definitely taken this opportunity to reach out to us in many ways obviously through all yeah. of our social media with a lot of information uh, greg i mean you're out there on the left coast and obviously, you know, I'm seeing drones flying around talking to people. I mean, is this like Blade Runner? What do you see going on out there? And what do you think about this this whole thing, man? Yeah, it's wild. Uh, <laughs> I try to just get at least a break from some of it because it is such a nonstop bombardment. But I'm done with Tiger King. I'm done with Ozark. I don't know what to do now. Right. So, <laughs> it, it, it's bad. But as you guys know, the media takes everything and redlines it right up to 11. So it isn't the apocalypse out here yet although i did think handmaid's tale season three would be back before i would be living in a world like that (laughs) if you've been to a grocery store or something like this creepiest thing about that show is they're walking two by two and there's armed guards everywhere and they're not allowed to get close to each other because they're not allowed to talk they're not allowed to organize or whisper or fight the tyrannical government and you know you go to a store now everyone's got a mask on their face no one's talking to each other looking at each other Everyone is jumping. If you if you walk around a corner, they recoil. Uh, that that's affecting me pretty deeply, just because I'm so saddened by it. Yeah, uh, man, we really just fucking turned over, you know, and waved the the white flag so quickly. We're so such quickly soft bitches. <laughs> Imagine all the things. I mean, I'm a weak hey, man. guy. Speak, but speak for yourself in California, bro. Speak for yourself well, in California. I mean, Stop. that's true, but I, my, my roots are in Missouri, and everything I'm hearing yes, from people there are, is just as, as crazy. And everyone, I wouldn't say everyone, but 85%, 90% of the people I know 
are drinking the very conventional Kool-Aid. Yeah. And I don't mean to be disrespectful or condescending, but I have put the call out to like all my friends like, hey, I'm not scared of a virus. I was at first. I had some real rough nights of paranoia and I did a lot of research and I caught myself up to speed. And I'm not even sure we're right about virology and the things the CDC say about contagiousness. And that's a radical thing to say, but it's important to remember that the medical system that we use in the West is not that old. It's only a couple hundred years and many ideas have been overturned. We didn't think bacteria was good until pretty recently you started hearing all these podcasts about gut bacteria. It's actually good for you. Like, we are still learning a lot and we're stuck. We're rooted in materialism. There are aspects of the body, systems of the body we do not incorporate into the medical system at all. So it's just wrong. And so I think they're running with an op here. Yeah. And it, it is kind of concerning. I have had buddies get got kicked out of the ocean. Like the ocean? You what? think even by conventional standards, because he's a <clears throat> surfer and it's like, well, you know, dude, you'd think that would be one of the safest places to be. I you can't go to a park. Uh, the trail dollar fine. Uh, yeah, my friend, yeah. I, I won't say I won't say his name, but I talked to him earlier. Uh, said that his his friend got a thousand dollar fine for surfing. It's crazy. Well, like you I, said in Missouri, here they literally in 2020 issued papers that you have to show if you get pulled over and if you're not an essential or whatever, because they they shut down obviously the city and the county here. And um, yeah, you know, and the thing is, you know, going back to kind of what you said when you were kind of freaked out at first, because. I think, as you know, we'll maybe get into what we talked about before with asymmetrical warfare, they're using us as a tool to for a long term game. But we're sitting here reacting moment to moment. And when you do your research on this, you, you understand that a little bit. And as well as, um, you know, it was it an accident that uh, event 201 with Bill and Melinda Gates and the World Economic Forum. And then he produced or had something to do with the docuseries Pandemic. And, you know, he was in TED Talks talking about this. I mean, clearly this was something that was going on. You know, CDC and a couple of years ago getting expanded quarantine rights to quarantine people. This was this was clearly pre-planned when you look at the tail of the tape and you do a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems very clear that there was foreknowledge. And I was actually psyched to do this today because I listened to your interview with Dr. Farrell and it's very smart to have him on in these times yes. because he is one of my favorite guys ever. And Pat, I could just tell by the way you were talking that you'd either seen this video by Dr. Thomas Cohen or you read that book, Invisible Rainbow, that he talks about in it, or you know a lot about Rudolf Steiner and how he thought about viruses because he thought viruses were just excretions of a dirty or poisoned or unwell cell. So the things we see under the microscope, guy comes in, says he's sick. You look under the microscope, you see these little you know, triangles and hexagons and weird things. You're like, oh, well, these things must be making him sick. Well, no. What if the body excretes these things when it is damaged and the damage came from somewhere else? And I'm with you on the idea that the electrification of the earth and these stages are, they overlap directly with massive uh, waves of sickness. We call it the flu, but it happened when radio waves first got installed around the planet. Yes. We call it, you know, Poli- well, polio, that was a DDT thing. It was a pesticide. And they if you look at the studies where they try to test contagiousness, it has not been proven. And it's weird because I think we all have a personal experience where we felt like we experienced contagiousness. We are around a sick friend, sick family member, and we feel like we got the bug. So 
I'm still not sure exactly what to make of all this, but there are other factors besides the idea that there's some germ out there that's just going to race through the entire species and kill off the weak ones. There's something else to the science that's not even right. And the only other thing I would add, because you mentioned Gates, and that's kind of what set me off here, is Bill Gates, of course, is at the head of this ma massive operation. You know, he's one of the cabal at the top. And he also uh, funded the world's first Waldorf school for high school in Sacramento. So that's interesting because Waldorf schools are based off the Steiner stuff that I'm talking about. So right. does hmm. Bill Gates even believe the whole thing or does Bill Gates know that this is a false paradigm so he's not really potentially hurting anybody or the whole idea of contagiousness is wrapped up in the whole idea of vaccines and I don't think any of us trust that. Well, so it's really only one degree further to like think of it in these mass bigger terms of like wait maybe the whole paradigm is wrong not just the vaccine component. Right. Well, and it's crazy because, I mean, as we've said, and everybody's starting to see, even your just regular non-quote-unquote conspiratorial, fo conspiratorial folks are like, wait a minute. And, I, you know, the, just compare the numbers of uh, H1N1, swine flu, uh, any of it. They're just, the, the reaction's just not meet the threat's not meeting, or whatever, you know what I mean? The, the reaction's not meeting the threat. We're not even talking about close to the same numbers, and we've locked down the fucking planet damn near. We've collapsed the economy. We've infused trillions of dollars. Into, I mean, it's unprecedented. What, I mean, it, what, I guess you've kind of answered it, but what are your thoughts on our reaction not even getting close to meeting the threat? Well, I have heard you guys say that, and I, I have not seen... I've heard you guys say the point that people are maybe waking up to this, and I've even said that that's the silver lining for me, is like 9-11, that tragedy in a lot of people's eyes, I'm sure many guests you've interviewed, same as me. It's cliche at this point to say, that yeah. was my wake-up moment. Okay, well... Big ops provide big opportunities for waking people up. But I am not seeing the the wokeness that you guys are seeing. Most of my friends and family are very scared of a virus, obeying what they're you know asked to do, and they're planning to stay there until the system tells them it's okay to come out, yeah. and they will not come over to hang out. That's I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I did put the call out to my friends and family. Like, I'm not scared of a virus. You will not get me sick. I my door is open. Come on over. No, and you're and, you're uh, right, dude. People, one people out of are, ten people are willing to do that. And most people, you're right, are still drinking the Kool Aid and asking for seconds. I'm almost speaking kind of in the minutia of my world and, and kind of the modern day red pill was not only this, but what Epstein being, you know, whatever happened to him. Like my dad sure. called me. He's not even close to any of this shit. He called me and was like, "Dude, what is this? This don't make any yeah. sense." So now even this, my mom hits me up. She's like, "In 25 words or less, tell me what's going on. This just doesn't make sense." You know what I mean? So it, it's just it's a slow ripple effect, and I think it's going to be one of those things that we see manifest more so down the line than right now. We've already been very mistrustful of the media. I mean, it's almost like a perfect storm for a rather big paradigm shift or reset, as they're saying. I think there's going to be uh, a consciousness kind of shift as well from this. I'm, I could be wishful thinking, but I, it, how many times do you have to be lied to and when this plays out and doesn't quite match the, the numbers? Like, literally, dude, I was watching the Trump... Uh, conference the other day and they said we might not even meet 100,000 literally the next day on the news they said 250,000 at the least I mean they're just speaking out of both sides of their neck and they're not even on the same page between Fauci and Trump it's just a clusterfuck bro and meanwhile we're right. sitting here can't go to work the banks and everybody got trillions they give us what 1200 or some fucking scraps it's ridiculous right. 
Yeah, and I've also heard, of course, there's so much confusion in knowing what actually gets passed because in these moments of opportunity, they shove through these giant, complex, multi-thousand-page pages of legislation that were seemingly pre-written, whether it's 9-11, the 2008 bailouts, or this situation. It's like very convenient that they have this legislation, but... um, 800 pages? That was... Come on, dude. Right. From what I understand, it's like... For, the, for big business, for the corporations, they get a grant and small businesses get a loan, which should be the exact reverse. Right. But I, I'm not 100% that's in there, but I've read some articles that suggest it is. I also heard the digital dollar was in there until yeah. it wasn't. So we'll see if they push back on that in the next round because it seems like we're going to need more stimulus because people are going to just treat this like summer vacation and eat their ice cream and play Xbox right? like the adult babies that we've been bred to fucking be. I'm kind of <laughs> pissed off that more people aren't seriously concerned about this. Well, and I think you're willing well, to even let's sorry, educate some people. Let's, yes. let's educate some people. I mean, let's let me into this with you for a second, because um, I had read a couple articles and people who had done some research and they claim that the SARS, the SARS virus vaccine the SARS virus took place, I, be, I believe it was early, was it 2002, early 2000s? Um, and it it mimics, or it's very similar, uh, the predecessor of COVID-19. It does the same thing. It's a respiratory illness. So uh, we know that the flu vaccine has given people the flu, right? There's been tests finally released where, yes, it, it can give you the flu. Uh, the polio vaccine, proven, what was it, 45,000 people, minimum got got polio from the early polio vaccines now there is a sars vaccine and many are claiming because of the similarities between this that it very easily could have come from the sars vaccine and and potentially started this then we have the other side of it we have the harvard professor who was arrested who had been going back and forth from from Wuhan University and was arrested with two chinese nationals who were scientists also and he was carrying biological uh, products, let's say, vaccines, or not vaccines, but uh, uh, viruses. So, you know, we've got that. We've got our 25 bioweapons labs and Encircle Eurasia, where Jeffrey and I were lucky enough to interview interview Dilian Shiva on that subject work. And other nations have biological weapon labs uh, with diplomatic immunity where we, we're not able to search these people or anything that they ship. So many different uh, narratives in this mm-hmm. that you have to at least address and investigate and not just say, mm-hmm. yeah, it came from a meat market in Eastern China. Mm-hmm. I agree. There, Those are a lot of the threads that I've been following. It is hard to keep everything straight and know what is true because with every big operation, they're going to launch counter narratives and people do it themselves. You know, they find right. one thread and they're like, well, this is it. And they elevate it to the top. So it is tough to know yeah. what, is relevant and what isn't, but it all stinks. We know the top has lied to us too many times, so we can't trust the CDC to make these decisions. And in the sub- on the subject of SARS, I defer to John Rappaport on a lot of what he's researched. He's got the website No More Fake News, and he's had that for 10 years, so way before fake news was so trendy, uh, <laughs> he had that. But there are, when he when he went over SARS and Ebola, and as he's going over coronavirus, there's really like three key components to the numbers, which is testing. The test, first off, is not binary. It's more like reading a pH test, where 
there's some subjectivity to it where you have to match the color to the color scale. It's not like a yes or no pregnancy test. Mm. You have it or you don't have it. So that's important. It's also, there's many tests now and, and everything's moving so fast, but the early test was up to 80% inaccurate. So you have a test that's subjective. It's also 80% inaccurate. And what is it testing for? It's testing for this RNA marker that might not even relate to a virus. Like it might not even, it's just something, an artifact of testing that might relate to just a poison cell or a bad mm. immune system. So there's testing that's not 100%. And the then false positives. Well, right. And exactly. The test's only up to 30%. If it's 80%, uh, there's 80% errors in that first round of testing from what I've read. And I'm sure now it's knocked down a little bit, but it might be 50-50. It might be, you know, 30-70. I, I don't know, but I know it's not 100%. And we hear these stories of, oh, my brother's sister's cousin's got it or someone I work with got it. Well, what do you mean by they got it? Are they sick and assuming they have it? Did they stress themselves out so badly they put themselves in the hospital? Did they get a test? And if they did, that test, it's not even accurate anyway. So that's just a lot of gray area to manipulate numbers and data in. So yeah. it's testing and then treatment. I want to know how many people got coronavirus and died without treatment in a hospital because they're pumping them full of antiviral malaria drugs and Ebola drugs that are very dangerous. From what I've read, 99% of the people in Italy had some kind of other underlying condition. Yeah, most right. often, mo most often that condition is high blood pressure. Well, guess what kills you if you put it in a person with high blood pressure? These fucking drugs that they're treating this with. So how many people have died from coronavirus that have not been treated in a hospital? That number's got to be very, very low. Well, you know, and I'm seeing. I want to know that number. Well, when I'm... you talk about the test, when you talk about the test. Real quick, I wanted to get this in. Uh, there's articles out there that seem to be from pretty legit sources that say that the testing now in the UK has been delayed because the testing kits that were shipped to them from a Bill Gates-owned company were tainted with the virus. Hmm, funny how that is. Yes, and the reason uh, I brought up the testing or went on this testing tangent is because when you mentioned SARS, John Rappaport, his coverage of SARS was basically to say that they can just control, they can turn it on and off like a spigot how many cases they want because they just manipulate how the tests are done or they give more tests or they give less tests. Or in this case of the RNA detection, they just, instead of 20 revolutions around collecting RNA looking for this marker, they just do eight, they just do six. So less people statistically will have it. So they can turn the numbers on and off. And I think that's what we're seeing here. I'm not fucking scared of a virus at all, because even if the conventional paradigm is true, I think I am one of those people who had it in December. I missed my, uh, you know, my group's New Year's party because a buddy came over on Christmas hacking up a lung, and I was like, man, should we be sharing this joint? I'm not so sure. And then all of a sudden, I was fucking sick, mm. and I was sick well through like mid-January with this with this really bad respiratory cough, which is not a normal illness. I get a lot of bad sinus stuff. But a chest cough that lasts over 30 days, can't say I've had that in eight years. So uh, 
Wow. I got, I'm covered on all kinds of layers. Either I already had it or this shit's all bullshit from the top down. But either way, I'm not scared of shit. Well, you're one of Fire many shit. who said they've had it already. And getting into the, the numbers and how they've just been fucking with the numbers, I've been getting reports of, like I said, a lot of the farmers who send us messages and just information, they're changing death certificates from whatever, heart attack, high blood pressure, stroke, to corona. They're actually yes. faking faking death reports. And I got another another chunk of info where... Family members are being notified like, hey, your your uncle died or whatever, and he's sitting right next to you. They're basically saying people are dead who aren't even dead. So, I mean, it's really difficult, if not impossible, like you said, to to gauge the numbers. And going back to kind of what we were talking about, uh, the digital dollar and how they pulled that back, I think that was kind of a part of this larger, I think, beta test. You heard Mike Pompeo said with the president right there, this is basically a live exercise. <clears throat> Paraphrasing, but he almost were verbatim saying that. What, uh, how much credence do you kind of give to that? Maybe this isn't necessarily the big one, but like anything anymore, data is the new oil. They're extrapolating so much data information and how we're reacting. And I think they've done that in other false flags too. What are your thoughts on, th- on that kind of aspect of uh, this whole thing, uh, data mining and uh, kind of a beta test? I would hope that that's true because it's one it's either the real deal or it is a drill before the real deal and I would really hope it's a drill because I think this is a wake up call to a lot of people to shore up their game in terms of exactly. can you support yourself do you have local streams of quality food that are not corporate you know there's no corporate middleman do you have these systems in place cuz I honestly don't and it's a little embarrassing to host a show like this and and not have taken heed yeah. over 10 years. Exactly. I can say I've done some things, and I also, you know, you can only do what the economics <clears throat> allow you to do, and we all have partners we're with, and, you know, life happens. But you should, this is a wake-up call to anyone who Without listens a to a podcast like this, shore up your game uh, and hope, hope that this is a beta test and that you have more time. Well, well now that you mentioned that, you can go to the Conspiracy Farm website, and click on the My Patriot Supply and get yourself plenty of food, Mr. Carlwood. <laughs> well, the, the two-week supply is out, and I'm not even saying that to hype it. The two-week supply is completely sold out. It's now a four-week supply. It's the only option you got. And it says on the site, and I'm not even saying it, it is um, like a six-week, four- to six-week waiting list because demand is so high. But I personally feel they are going to drag this out longer and longer. They even say it themselves, possibly till you know, July, August, and all of this. So it's better to have it, not need it, than need it, not have it. So you're exactly right. And there's a discount, too, when you go through uh, the conspiracy farm. So uh, something to think about. And as well as ButcherBox, man, butcherbox.com, front slash farmer, killer meats, dude, grass-fed beef, organic chicken, salmon, etc. Um, something you brought up, and, you know, Pat took a little bit of an exception, too. I mean, a lot of people people have shored up their game and are in kind of hard to, always been in kind of hard-to-kill mode. Give me your thoughts on for the lack of a better term, the pussification of America, et cetera. Whereas like we talked about, I think it was with Peter Schiff, you know, in World War II and even in the Depression, people were more equipped and more self-sufficient. We've moved so far away from that, that, you know, times like these, we're just, we're almost, a lot of us are just completely helpless. What are your thoughts on that uh, (laughs) loss of self-sufficiency over the years? Well, I definitely don't want to sound hypocritical because I am a product of my environment, but I am admitting first and foremost my own shortcomings and that I'm the house cat I was bred to be. And (laughs) I'm trying to transition to being a real man, but uh, it's late in the game. I just had my 35th birthday, and I think about what previous generations were like at 30 fucking five, and it's staggering. Yeah, Uh, It's very shocking. So. It's tough. It is really hard to break old patterns, and I suffer from that as much as anyone. But 
the first thing I think that's easiest to change is your diet because it doesn't require a ton of work. And uh, if you have a hard time exercising, you can at least make sure you're putting good fuel in your body at least and getting sunlight and going to more like holistic trusting of the environment in which we, you know, have been bred in for not bred because that's kind of like more like uh, the machine breeding us, but the natural system that has cultivated life for millions of years. Go to that system, trust that system more. And that's that's kind of like this whole system is trying to make us scared of nature. Like, oh my God, these viruses just come through and wipe out huge swaths of population. I don't know. P- doctors used to tell me that when you shake hands with someone, you're trading millions of bacteria and viruses. Right. And we're usually fine. We're usually fine. You look at swine flu, bird flu, SARS. I don't know anyone who got any of these things and I you know, don't even really know anyone who is sick now. Not that there aren't people getting sick. I just think there are other causes. It's 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 crazy. They're definitely overhyping it. But. Well, and that's like you said, that Bloomberg report that in Italy, 99% of those people who died had underlying or pre-existing conditions. And when you see uh, like the CBS executive, I think she was like 30 or 40, she just died. She had cancer and some other stuff going on. And when you read all these people that die, you see it's like complications from Corona, which is kind of code word for they had other shit going on. And that's we're going to find yeah. out that's a lot of people that, you know, had. Well, yeah, Go ahead. We, we, we saw documents, you know, that were I don't know if I, I forwarded those to you or not, Jeff. I may have forgotten. Uh, but documents for a couple of different states that were basically directives to all the coroners within the states. Uh, so I'm assuming all 50 states probably sent them out to their coroners that anybody who died from any any type of respiratory or heart type uh, failure. Uh, the cause of death ultimately in there should be written COVID-19 um, for any right. any respiratory type type right. of death. So they're running up the numbers uh, to, to either scare us, to force us to get the, the mandated vaccine, or to make us willing to get a, a mandated vaccine, whatever the hell's going on, uh, or, to, or maybe the, on the back end of this, potentially try and run Trump out of office. You know, who knows? Um, all, all those things are possible. But the documentation is, yeah, say the person that sent it to me, but uh, one of those states was Arkansas. There was another another state in that in that message that I got that were just pictures of actual documents um, with the seal of, of the state on, on the document. So they're trying to run up the numbers on purpose. Yeah, I fully agree with you. I mean, I've been trying to keep mnemonic devices in my head. And when it comes to the death data manipulation, I've been trying to say the three T's, the testing, the treatment, which is killing people as well, and the trading of illnesses, exactly what you said. Oh, uh, you had pneumonia? Well, you probably had corona to mark it down. <laughs> right. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. So it's, well, it's um, you know, go ahead, Jeff. No, go ahead. If you're going to finish your point, go ahead, bro. No, I just I just think along with the video that, that's been sent out and, you know, of course, our, our one detractor, we always have to have Bill Camper uh, <laughs> jump in and say that, say that the video is fake. But it looks pretty real to me. It seems a woman who is very, very angry uh, with two guys who are in hazmat suits in England inside of her apartment building who have flyers in their hands, and they're basically slipping them under the doors of all the apartments, saying that a man who, who was living inside that apartment building had just been taken. He had died from COVID-19. And this woman had witnessed that guy walking out of the building with police officers and conversing with them and coughing. So he had the symptoms of COVID-19, but these guys come 
swooping in and handing out, you know, um, flyers saying, hey, man, uh, somebody in your building just died and she is chewing their asses. Yeah. And and Bill Bill wow. also Bill also just criticized because on Facebook Live, he said, OK, what's what's a credible source? So Sky Sky News in England was the one that was one of the ones that was talking about the uh, shipments of the the, the tests for COVID-19, and it says, with the arrival of shipments of, of new tests, the virus has been reported that large amount of these tests will have to be scrapped and destroyed com completely because they're contaminated. Traces of COVID-19 virus have been discovered on components of many of these new tests. Britain's testing capacity has already been criticized for lagging behind and found in, order, uh, in other developed nations. And this is a blow that extends and worries many in the country. So, um, you know, this... this uh, this is something that you know, a company that is supposedly uh, owned or funded or or whatever by by Bill Gates. So mm. um, we've already talked about Bill Gates many times, and we can go down that that rabbit hole because he stated himself he believes in lowering the population of the world. Um, his father was the the founder and funder of of Planned Parenthood, um, and that is the leading cause of death globally. I think there's eight or nine million killed. Uh, annually from 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 abortion. So the Gates the Gates family are the are the greatest. You think the Clintons are bad? The Gates <laughs> uh, lead by a long shot. Yes, I would not doubt that. I mean, so much of the vaccine situation, the kind of plug and play, lock and key biological warfare they're trying to do is funded by him. So he definitely should be criticized more as one of the capstone cabal that is most active in today's world. Rockefeller, Rothschild, sure, but Gates's name has got to be thrown around in the mix. We need to catch up. Sometimes I feel like in the conspiracy world, we are uh, pointing the finger at people who are very, very active in previous decades and missing the people who yes. are most active right now. And I think you're making a great point about Gates. Well, and, you know, the timing of his stepping down right in the middle of this, it's like, wow, you stepped down oh, yeah. from Microsoft, from Berkshire Hathaway. I mean, his, his hands are all over this, like you said, and then he kind of removes himself to focus on philanthropy. Of course you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, he's I... got to help. It's all, come on, come on, Jeff. It's all hands on deck with this thing, brother. Well, yeah, this, yeah, <laughs> exactly. What were we going to say, Greg? Right. Oh, uh, I did a live stream with a buddy of mine, Gordon White from Rune Soup, and his impression of the step down was that he thought that it was probably done so that this new thing that bill gates is doing uh warren buffett could invest in it without there being a conflict of interest of him being on two boards so it's like i'll step down from brookshire hathaway now you can invest in what i'm doing and we'll make the money flow the other direction because the ops going live and uh, there could be some merit to that. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I think I did hear something about that. Yeah. I mean, there's so many layers. There's so many spokes to it. I mean, like we've said in many shows, I mean, they almost have left no stone unturned from the financial to the social uh, to the political. I mean, just everything is changing right now. And again, I feel that this has kind of been mapped out and drawn out a long time ago. So they know exactly what's going on while us are just kind of scrambling for necessities, kind of living moment to moment. I agree with that, too. Well, it, this it, is definitely a shaking of the uh, couple bottom rungs of the ladder. They're shaking them free. Yeah. And uh, I've also heard the ter term uh, boomer doomer. Yeah. <laughs> boomer remover. Like, or whatever, yeah, yeah. Boomer, boomer hoover, like hoovering up all the old people, getting them out of there. And another interesting point, a sub layer of that, 
not only is it economically viable to wipe out the baby boomers at this point, but they're also the ones that are most resistant to the new ops, like the Green New Deal. You know, the millennials are pretty much drinking that Kool-Aid. Right. And it's clearly aimed at the millennials. But if the older people are kind of holding it up, we can clear out a lot of that space and work on the newer ops. And there could be some truth to that, too. There's always layers. You know, it's a yes. tangled web. Here's where I here's where I throw a wrench in that thought process, though, because the millennials uh, and the, look, not all millennials are 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 assholes and idiots. OK, um, I get that. There's a lot of them that are in our military, a lot of great great people, people who are patriots, people who are well-versed in a lot of the stuff we're talking about. Um, but there is a large number of them who made spectacles of themselves with safe spaces and all the other bullshit mm -hmm. uh, that we've seen on the news and, and pushed by the news, the agenda, the narrative by, by the media. Uh, but that there's a backlash. There's, the pendulum always swings back the other way just as hard, if not further. So... The kids that are in high school now and the kids that are going into college, uh, maybe one, two years into college, freshmen, sophomores, watch the millennial generation uh, act like complete fools, and they recognized it. They recognized it, and I'm telling you right now, and I've said this before on this show, and this is where the biggest pushback is going to come to these ideas, is that these kids are recognizing um, what freedom is supposed to look like. Um, and... And they're, they're going to fight this. And I think that this is, without a doubt, the largest generation of conservatives and people who are going to be reading the Constitution that's ever lived on the planet. And that's, that's a good thing. It's a, it's a, it's a very good thing because uh, my kids and many kids, I've, I've talked to a lot of parents from all over the country, and their kids are into the same thing in school. Getting, they, they'd end up in debates with, with teachers, and they would, the kids would defend themselves very, with very cogent um, points. And, and a lot of these teachers would lose their minds because suddenly the narrative is being questioned by people that make sense who are teenagers. And these kids are calling bullshit on their own teachers, and these teachers are losing their minds. There's people like myself who go to uh, school board meetings and chew school board uh, members' asses for the stuff that's going on inside of these high schools and, and the indoctrination uh, of the Frankfurt School of Learning that is, uh, is being pushed on our children when most of these educators don't even know where their thought process came from or how it originated from the Frankfurt School. Mm. Yeah, I, I think you're making good points. It's like when you're talking about groups of millions of people, you can never really paint them as one thing. But sure. I definitely try to have a little grace for the millennials. And of course, Seinfeld taught me you can't have just a little grace, but you know, <laughs> try as I might. Like These are people who came to age at 9-11 they tried to get their footing at, in the 2008 crisis. They got raped with student loan debt, and now we're getting stepped back again. You know, we're getting the, the carpet ripped out from under us again because so many are going to economically suffer from this situation. So it is right. really hard to come of age. You're from 18 to 28 to 35, maybe. I don't know. You're supposed to be like shoring up your shit and building your house for the future. And this is when all this stuff happened, all these ops, right at our time. Our grandparents used to have eight kids and grandpa went to work to screw a bolt on a piece of metal and he was in the union and he had everything they needed. Like, 
it's a little shitty to to really come down too hard on millennials when they grew up in this environment and all that safe space is shit is because the school systems were compromised and is another operation. How can you right. not expect some people to get caught up in it? But you are right. Go back to the indigo children thing, this idea that some young kids are just seeing through so much bullshit and that's inspiring. I hope it continues. <clears throat> I hope they're not the minority and I wish I could get the numbers on uh how hopeful I should be in, hmm. a, in a group of people like that. For sure. I mean, and it's and part of the frustration that we've talked about, man. And I think, I think people are seeing, you know, this fuckery and this lie after lie after lie with no accountability. And I want to get your thoughts as far as, you know, us knowing about, or them knowing about this, obviously with nine 11, I'm sure you probably heard about the put options that were put on United airlines, American airlines, and that was a firm that was headed up by a guy named Charles Buzzy Klongard, who wound up going to work for the CIA for Bush, wound up going to head up Deutsche Bank. Nothing happened. And, you know, and now we're seeing Dianne Feinstein and a few other uh, people in Congress selling stock. Jeff Bezos selling billions of dollars of stock before this all hit. You know, clearly some insider trading. Clearly they were signaled. You know, what are your thoughts on that? And, you know, obviously evidence of pre-knowledge and what I could probably forecast is a complete lack of accountability for it. Right. It's par for the course at this point. It shouldn't surprise listeners of shows like this. I'm sure it doesn't. But I had even heard that the selling of the stock came after a closed door meeting with the CDC. So it's like very on the nose. They they had this foreknowledge. And, you know, if we're going to put, um, you know, what's her name? The Betty Crocker lady? Martha, the, uh, Martha Stewart. We're going to put Martha, Martha yes. in jail. I mean, what the fuck? The, yeah. This is a lot more serious. And, and uh yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised by it. It's par for the course. It's a cesspool out there. It makes it so frustrating because, again, you know, the same people and we, you know, other shows have said it, too. It's just mass Stockholm syndrome. You get lied to over and over and over again and then go ask for the solution to the same people who you know lied to you over and over. The whole problem reaction solution Hegelian dialectic that we're all familiar with. It just is beyond frustrating because this is one of those that's obviously world shattering, world changing. And there's so much evidence of fuckery right in front of our face. Like I said, from the pandemic yeah. show popping off before this happened, Event 201, just everything about Bill Gates and his TED Talks prognosticating this. You know, the CDC expanding their quarantine powers in 2017. I mean, just put the puzzle pieces together. And with also the numbers not adding up, it's, for me, it's just a clear work. You know what I mean? It's clear bullshit. But mm -hmm. here they are shutting everything down, changing everyone's life, collapsing small businesses and the middle class potentially, and even our economy with all the liquid they're pumping into. I mean, it's just crazy. And it's all yes. another, just another, whatever you want to call it, false flag. Just, it's all horseshit. It is. And I hope that people push back because I think their plan, and I've been trying to remind myself that a plan is not set in stone. A plan is what they want. Sometimes they shoot for the stars, they land on the moon. It's incremental. Let's see what happens. But the plan is to have an ID with your biometrics and digital wallet right there. So they can do the social crediting thing. They cannot just turn you off on Facebook and Twitter, but turn your bank account off. Yes. They can have your biometrics so they can know how to roll out the next virus so it hits you directly. It's just it's a dangerous game. I also just did an interview with a guy who wrote the book School World Order, and it's about how the technocracy is getting into the school systems. Yes. And he talked about eugenics in the sense that there's going to be these biomarkers and they're going to come in. And they're going to say, well, your kid, you know, we ran his DNA and he's just never going to be successful. So we're going to say that he can't go beyond freshman year of high school. And then we're going to put him right into a job because we looked at his genetics and 
He's, this hmm. isn't a Harvard kid. This is not a Harvard kid. So uh, sorry to say, mom and dad, this I is don't what think we're going to do. I, and, and so I'm, I'm always the devil's advocate, or I try to be on the show sometimes sure. with our guests. And, and that goes against my thought process anyway, where they want everybody in school. They want everybody in college because those are the indoctrination centers. That's where these kids learn to walk in, in line, to, to stay in step with the narrative, uh, you know, of everything that's going on. So if, if, you know, millions and millions of kids are deliberately weeded out and sent to learn how to weld and be diesel mechanics and everything else, um, look, if I'm told that from, from the word go, uh, I didn't come from a wealthy family. You know, you know, my kids, my kids have to, you know, work hard, get scholarships and, and things like that. But if they're told automatically that they can't go, you've, in, you've instantly created an enemy of the government, right? Right. So well, in, my, in my mind, you know, I think that, you know, it's just the opposite. They want, which they've been doing, we've, we've seen a track record of it. They want everybody to go to school. They want to give them loans. They want to run up debt. They want to own, they want to enslave these kids. Well, I get what you're saying. And yes, the education system is a giant tool, but I see this as the potential of a digital caste system because we already worship science and they're going to have different operations for different layers of things. People in academia, yeah, they want to control academia. So if you have the markers that they're going to let you go through the college system, see, if they make college government controlled, then they can kind of say, well, we just can't afford for everyone to go. France already does this because I, I, you know, I knew someone who knew someone who was living with a foreign exchange student and they could only go if they had the right, if they maintained the right grades, you know, if you showed you were a good little student. So there were there's already some barriers in place. I'm not saying the school system isn't the number one tool for brainwashing people, but most of that damage, in my opinion, is done before the eighth grade. And I'm not saying they're not going to send some people through the college system for more indoctrination, but that would be your academic class. I think they're really trying to keep the underclass from thinking they have any hope at all. Stay home, get your UBI check. Hmm. We've already thoroughly screwed you up from kindergarten through eighth grade, and now you're going right into the pipeline as a cog in one of our various machines. Right, Potentially, right. but different ops at different levels. I'm with you. I've got, I've got one of the guests or one of, one of the uh, listeners saying, John Fagan said, diesel mechanic is not an easy job. No, I'm, I'm well aware, and I actually wanted to, because I'm home a lot when I'm not on the road, and I wanted to actually take diesel mechanic classes just to know how to work on, work on diesels because I've had diesels before. But then also Bill Camper, I'm glad Bill joins us all the time. Uh, we need him. We need we need our, our detractors. Uh, he keeps saying, who, who, who is they? And, you know, I have to go back to Bill Gates, you know, and, and a lot of these other types of guys, these elites that are yeah. into eugenics, bro. They've said it themselves. They're, they want to rid the world of a vast, more, uh, a vast number of people and, and lower the stresses on the on the world and its resources so their kids can enjoy the world that much more. When if you right. go if you go back to our episode with James Corbett on climate change, I mean the eugenicists pretty much started climate change because the language of eugenicists and sterilization wasn't quite working. So they needed something more palatable to demonize human beings. Wow, CO two is a problem. Right. Wow, who excretes CO two? And like Pat just said, I mean it's all kind of a long term agenda twenty one, agenda thirty to get rid of a bunch of people, sustainable development, etc. 
Um, and what you were just alluding to about, you know, it sound like it was like kind of the early architecture of social credit. I think a lot of this, what we're doing is kind of mm-hmm. a beta test, just like China. We're moving towards, you know, as we, as we know, 5G, the Internet of Things, the smart grid, which is going to, like you said, technocracy. The larger point of, I think, climate change, which is now kind of shifted. They're now using this pandemic to fulfill that larger agenda as well, is to get rid of people, you know, shepherd us into mega cities, as we've said many times, and just tag us and bag us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to step back and agree with Pat again that like it is important to have a return to craftsmanship, mm-hmm. to mechanical systems that yeah, we can sure. operate mm-hmm. on our own. Like if the world ended today, how long would it be before you could send a text or an email? Like these systems are way beyond people, but our our grandparents' generation used to be able to fix everything yeah. around the house and. It's the digitizing of everything that makes that impossible. So I am with you that that is important. It's important for self-sufficiency's sake. And uh, we do need to return to it. I wouldn't try to diminish people working in mechanical industries. But at the same time, I do think that uh, let's just switch it to service industry. Like that's the jobs that they're going to give to the underclass. And then they're going to slowly wipe them out and just have them collect a UBI from the couch. And then that UBI, that digital dollar is only going to be viable through digital systems yeah so why did the cia the cia get so in bed with amazon why did amazon buy whole foods this is the exact reason because yeah. your digital credits are not going to be accepted at the farmer's market or your local you know your local farmer's not going to necessarily know what to do with it or maybe they it's like a you it's like a ebt where they already have this structure for controlling where a digital set of mon- money that they allocate to you can go and I think they're going to let it only go to their systems. So yeah. and, I'm, I'm worried about that. Yeah. And we've even said, you know, what you donated to this political party. Like you said, the, the digital wallet's going to it's not a one way thing. It's two way. And they can pull out just as much as they put in and, you know, diminish your social credit, whatever, whatever. So the larger, larger thing I keep people to to look up is Agenda 21 and the technocracy that they've been talking about since like the 40s and 50s. And again, I say on the show, Aldous Huxley, even though he wasn't the nicest man in the world, he prognosticated this and saying there's going to come a time where this architecture that we're going to set up, which is essentially going to enslave people, people are going to love it and they're going to ask for seconds. And, and you know, with this, the vaccine scare the shit out of people. People are going to line up, even though it doesn't even make sense. You don't even see the bodies. They're going to mind fuck people to the point, you know, just like a good, you know, Stockholm syndrome you know, patient or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. They, they only beat me because they love me. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And I'm so worried about the solitary confinement going on right now. We need human connection. Yeah. Solitary confinement is the worst thing you can do to a person in prison. It's like, this is really fucked up. We know the virus is not in every single business in our town, but yet every single business in our town has to suffer for it. Right. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. And then there's a lot of bleeding heart liberals that'll say, well, even one death is too much. How can you say that you could sacrifice 100,000 people? And it's like, please, your fucking cell phone was mined by slave labor in Africa. There's the fucking people who assembled it in China are jumping out of windows to <laughs> right. get out of this life. Like, save me, you know, your moral outrage over the idea that some people do die sometimes in the wake of large scale operations. Like it's sad. Yes. But I mean, poverty is a goddamn weapon they've been using against the world for a long fucking time. And you walk past how many homeless people on your way to work? Like, but you're all up in arms about how we can't talk to each other in person because some old people are going to die 
a year or two early. I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be cold about the whole thing, but no. look at what we're giving up. Exactly. I, well, I think the pain, I think the pain that comes down the road, people are going to regret uh, everything that's being done right now. That's for sure. So uh, that's, that's something, but I will say this, that there's a lot of people now that are sitting there saying to themselves, holy shit, I should have been growing my own vegetables this yeah. whole time. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, so I know a lot of people. There's a lot of people waking up and buying, you know, organic, organic seeds and and uh, you know, starting to plant their own gardens. I've been growing my own garden for several years, and I live in a, I live in a pretty nice neighborhood with John Deere executives and doctors and stuff. And I'm the only guy in the neighborhood that has a garden in my backyard. <laughs> you know, they complete hillbilly, which I'm fine with. I don't give a shit because they know that having me here, if some, if all hell breaks loose over here, got myself. A fireman next door, a cop down the road, so we'll we'll and, and orthopedic surgeon and some other people, so we'll be able to we'll be able to survive one way or another. But I am the only guy in this neighborhood with a garden, and I know they go, man, Militich's garden is is really unsightly. But now they're going, hey, wait a minute, I wonder if he'll give us some tomatoes, right? <laughs> or maybe we have to do a late night late night op to go snatch some peppers. But no, this, that's kind of what I meant right. from the beginning. But when you go back to when you, sorry. He, sorry, the only reason I was getting to this point is when Greg was talking about, you know, our grandparents being self-sufficient, knowing how to do things. You know, I spent summers and a lot of time down on my grandparents' farms on both sides of the family. They had huge gardens. They canned all their all their vegetables and all their fruits. Uh, it was incredible. I mean, the, the the shelves were just stocked with mason jars as far as the eye could see, and they took care of themselves. You know, during the Depression, during the wars, you know. I talked to my mom about that before she passed away and said, we were fine down on the farm. We, it was like nothing was even going on. We had plenty of food. We had livestock. We had chickens. We had eggs. We had everything we needed uh, during, during those hardest times. So, you know, on the, on the farm, sure, they felt it because, you know, it was uh, the depression, tough to sell grain for the price, but, but they were self-sufficient. Um, but those farms, when you drive by them, you know, farmers – it looks like a junkyard because they save everything, every broken down truck, every broken down tractor that's no longer operational. They save it for parts, you know, all the, you know, cinder blocks that they never used and piles of sand and gravel because they're eventually going to use it. And those are the people that, that will survive, you know, while many people in the cities are just going to perish because they can't take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of yeah. what I was alluding to in the beginning, that people are starting to wake up to that and become a little bit more self-sufficient. Yeah, you're not seeing the numbers that we'd like, but that's, I think that's a great point that people are starting to learn from this. Right. And a positive thing I've been thinking about, you know, my I mentioned my buddy Gordon White. He wrote a book called The Chaos Protocols like five years ago, which literally was like his forecast for these times we're in now and how you should be pre-preparing. And there's a quote in there that I loved because it hit so hard. And the spirit of it, even if I butcher it, has been in my head a lot lately. But he talks about permaculture and all these really interesting things and how it can actually be really fun, really fulfilling. And, you know, dare I say, even a spiritual type of experience. But then he goes on to say that, you know, given that, wouldn't you like to learn it now rather than when you're hoping that your first crop comes in before your children starve? Yeah. Like, wouldn't you like to learn all those skills right now when the stakes aren't all that high so you can do it when the stakes are higher? And I, goddamn, I hope this is a beta (laughs) test because 
that's uh, our, probably our only hope at this point. Well, like my daddy used to say, hard head makes a soft ass. Let me tell you that. But, you know, <laughs> as, the, as the ramifications of this play out, I think a huge part of this is what we're seeing, obviously, the social stuff, military on the ground, like we say on the show many times, look at what people are doing and their bellies are f- somewhat full, but they're emptying out. The thought that really has really bugged me out, and Pat and probably anybody who knows about this, you're seeing... Uh, police departments and municipalities releasing certain prisoners. You're seeing them also say they're not going to respond to certain calls like break-ins and shit like that. They're going to they're take reports over the phone. Talk to me about how bad that you see that possibly getting. I mean, the whole thing, it is a shitstorm. Like, things, you cut out a little bit there, but you said taking reports over the phone? Yeah, yeah, whether they're not responding to certain calls like break-ins and things like that, which is going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's definitely the, there's a funny synchronicity with the purge. You know, the date the date of the lockdown met, matched the movie, the purge. I love I those synchronicities that. when they happen. But uh, I'm not so worried about the crime thing. I actually think that a lot of those people probably shouldn't have been in jail anyway. We incarcerate a lot of motherfuckers, but it is weird to announce what you are and aren't going to police things for exactly. And yeah, that's kind of encouraging chaotic behavior. And I do have a buddy who's really paranoid because he looked at this Harvard study about San Diego's hospitals going to be just completely overrun in a best case scenario. They can handle 20% of the volume they're projecting. And he sent it to me. I'm like, dude, all I can say is like, just calm down because models are only models. And when they run a model, they're talking about exponential growth of that model. And oftentimes we're fine. So there's going to be other factors that change that. Like, just deciding to do the test differently. And oh, suddenly uh, less people have it. Okay, we solved it. And then the CDC can be the hero anyway. But I I am a little worried about chaos. I am a little worried about the fact that even if I had a garden, how long would I be able to keep it? Exactly. Um, I'm not a guy who's like going to be defending it with a gun or anything, probably. I mean, I shouldn't say that. You know, I sleep with guns (laughs) under my pillow, actually. Hey, what's your address? (laughs) Yeah, you know, motherfuckers be warned. Uh, I sleep with one eye open and my finger on the trigger. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, all those people, all so, those doomsday preppers who gave away their location back in the day—they probably need to keep their head on a straight swivel. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. When you were, I hope it doesn't get that. About, Me ahead, when you were talking about Jeff releasing prisoners, uh, you know they're they're releasing thousands across the country right now. Yet at the same time, they're telling us uh, in certain states that if you break the uh, shelter-in-place order, they're going to either write you a, a citation or you'll be arrested yeah. and put in jail. And it's mm-hmm. just complete contrarian or, or contrary to their walking contradictions is what they are, you know, <laughs> saying these things. So I think at some point citizens are not going to put up with this anymore, though. I think at some point they're going to go, you know what, uh, I need to open my business. I have to go to work. I have no choice. And, and when they do... Sorry to cut you off, but when they do, I'm hoping that we see that there was nothing to fear but fear itself. And then more people will wake up, hopefully, because a big op is a big opportunity for people to see through the game. When some of those who are doing that and opening their business, I think it's particularly in L.A. where I saw it, they're encouraging people to snitch on people who are opening their businesses and they're turning off their power and electricity and stuff. So it's like Pat said. Uh, there's gonna there's so many levels that they're pushing people and i've i've kind of prognosticated or just thought that you know the big one that the big red line for a lot of people is the forced vaccines you know your kid can't go back to school unless they have vaccines you can't go here i mean so the the implications of that i think are going to be huge but you know we're only what a couple weeks into this and i think we've got a long way to go so um 
I just want everybody to stay safe, obviously, whether the hype or not. You know, the ripple effects of this fear component can really, really be dangerous. So, um, Pat, any closing thoughts for our board before we let him slide? Yeah, I mean, I just want to point out that I saw an old newspaper article from 1918 during the Spanish flu. And it was it was similar to this. It was newspaper articles in big cities. Uh, probably wasn't released in, in any other areas that I can guess. But, uh, you know, Chicago, New York, places like that, Philadelphia that it was a newspaper article that, that was basically telling people to stay inside. It's kind of similar to what we're dealing with now. But I want people to remember that up to 100 million people died of the Spanish flu. So, you know, when we're talking numbers, where right. we're at probably forty-five to 50,000 worldwide right now deaths, and this has been around for probably seven to eight months safely. Um, you know, we weren't being told. I had it in January. There are other people that told me they had it in November. Uh, my, my kids, my wife had it, and I've said that before. We're at 45, 50,000 people worldwide right now after eight months. The Spanish flu killed 100 million people in one year. So the reaction to this is absolutely to cover the politicians and the elite's asses on the implosion of the economic system uh, and the reset to whatever they want to try and make it. We push back on that, of course, as we talk about. So you know, what are your thoughts on all of that? I agree with you. The scale is way out of whack. And I also would say that if you do some deep dives into the Spanish flu, I'm not so sure it was just a flu. As we said, the electrification of the earth, like that's when the radio, uh, mm. worldwide radio system was switched on. And right. also people in the United States, this uh, Dr. Cohen, who I listened to, he made the point that how did... Actually, I think he was talking about the Hong Kong flu, but people in with the, the in the Hong Kong flu was around the same time. Like travel wasn't like it is today, but people in Ohio got it like right away. And it's like, well, there's not a lot of people traveling from Ohio to Hong Kong in the early 1900s. But yeah, the yeah. radio systems or the you know the systems they had that were messing with the electrification of the Earth, they were worldwide because they're up in the ionosphere. Mm. And I think there's something to that. I also read uh, ibuprofen was first rolled out during the Spanish flu, and the first batches were quite toxic. And just how many people died from the Spanish flu or how many people died from the treatment of the Spanish flu? You think right. the system's wow. barbaric today. You should have seen it in the early 1900s. Yeah, just when, saying. When, we, when, we talk, when we talk about the electrical systems and now 5G, I just saw a video of a guy confronting... Uh, some some guys installing 5G outside of a high school, his kid's high school, and, and there were some plainclothes law enforcement officers there, and nobody would answer this guy's questions. And they started, you know, saying that one of the officers said, we've got your license plate, don't worry about it. And <laughs> so they started threatening him for asking questions about installing 5G outside of this, this high school. So I want people to start paying attention and drive by your kids' schools, whether they're in elementary, middle school, or high school, and see if they're putting up 5G or look for the 5G towers or that they've added it on, on light poles or whatever. There were two boom trucks sitting at my kid's high school the other day. I took a picture of it. I think I sent it to you, Jeff. Yeah, you did, yep. Yeah, so um, I haven't noticed. The, those trucks were just sitting in one place, and they hadn't for a couple of days. And I don't know what the hell's going on with those boom trucks sitting there, but I'm waiting for them to move and start working. And I don't know if they're sitting them there to see what, what whether people are going to uh, checking it or not, I can tell you the guys that were sitting in one of the trucks were staring at me a lot when I when I drove by twice. So um, mm -hmm. I don't know if they're they're a little, but but people need to pay attention to that, and I want our listeners to start paying attention to see if 5G 
is being installed at your kid's school because we already know uh, 5G had to be removed outside of uh, a daycare uh, elementary uh, area because kids were getting cancer. Uh, a bunch of firemen in one station, 5G was directed, uh, I believe it was in California, right outside of their station, and all of a sudden these these uh, firemen all started to get cancer and stuff, and so they removed the 5G from there. So mm -hmm. that's those are legit stories, though. Those, these yeah. are legit stories, so people need to... People need to pay attention to this and start raising hell about it. Well, and get educated too, you know, because the silence equals the acquiescence. You know what I mean? If we don't say anything about it, they're just going to keep keep rolling with it. They might even still keep rolling with it, even if we say something. But at least, you know, the more awareness we bring up, you know, it educates hopefully people on not just the health effects, but you know, this whole smart grid that they're setting up, the Internet of Things. I mean, just look at China. Do you want to go there? And that's really kind of where we're headed. So mm -hmm. crazy times we're in, man. Greg, thank you so much, dude. And like I said to you know all of our guests here in the last week, is this keeps going. I know you're a busy guy, but we'd love to have you back in. You know, a month or two from now, check in, see how things are going on out there in La La Land. Sure, things are moving so fast; it's hard not to have updates. You know? Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate your time so much, man. Greg Carwood, thehiresidechats.com. You will not regret it. You talk about content for days and years, <laughs> as it were. He's been pumping it out for a long time. Thank you so much, brother. Yes, thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. You're lucky to have uh, someone to work with. You know, sometimes what I do is very isolating. So it's fun to come on and uh, do kind of more of a group hang and talk about the stuff we're all hearing from our guests. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I need occasional adjustments because I get tired of Carrie and Pat. It gets really exhausting. So <laughs> love you, champ. Uh, we got another one here going to pump out here today. We got Sam Tripoli coming up, and he's got a guy who's oh, an, nice. an, an expert on the Fed with him. So we're going to chop it up a little bit with that. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Peace and so much love. There'll always be more.